Okay. Hello, and welcome to Apples and, to gi and Giraffes. Okay, <clears throat> let's start that over. <laughs> Off to a good start. Hello, and welcome to Apples to Giraffes, the show where we look at the art of adaptation that's transforming novels into films, films into comics, and any other medium that we want to look at. Um, on each episode, we're going to discuss a narrative and do a deep dive. We're going to look at successes and failures in previous adaptations and what we think we might do if we were in charge of that product, project. Uh, my name is Francois Vigneault. I'm a comic book creator based here in Montréal in Quebec. And as always, I'm joined by my fabulous co-host, Jonas Madden Connor. Hi, I'm Jonas. I'm also a cartoonist, but I'm in Los Angeles. Uh, how's it going? I'm doing really well. How are you? I am good. In addition to your fabulous intro. Yeah, so first we're going to talk about uh, what's new in the world of adaptations. Then we're going to intro the book we're going to be talking about this time, which is uh, The Fifth Element by, sorry. <laughs> the Fifth Element by Luc Besson. It's going to be a really good episode. <laughs> the uh, Fifth Season by N.K. Jemison, And we're going to do a brief plot recap. And then we're going to get into the issues and possible uh, obstacles or pitfalls to adapting this to another medium. Then we're going to get into what we might do in, if we were in charge of it and uh, do a little bit of fan casting and pick a, a director or a showrunner someone to be a creative visionary behind it sounds like a sounds like a packed episode i can't wait yeah it's going to be a tight 90 minutes <laughs> <laughs> so should we get into what is new and notable yeah sure what do you have uh, like the, the, and and every every two weeks we gaze over the horizon of um, announcements of things that have come out or are going to come out or any number of other things and we decide to bring some to our loving audience uh, what do you got what do you have this week uh well comic-con was just this past weekend so there was a bunch of new trailers and stuff dropped it was kind of the first time i felt um a little bit of fatigue on the marvel side Totally. I mean, all their stuff was exciting, but then they also announced there was going to be a new Daredevil show with 18 episodes. And I was like, no, it's <laughs> <laughs> too much. <laughs> um, there were new trailers for two things that we have talked before about on this show, which is the, Sand the Netflix Sandman adaptation of the Neil Gaiman comic and the interview with the Vampire AMC show. Right. Right. Uh, did you watch these trailers? I did. I did my homework. All right. Uh, let's talk about Sandman first, I guess. Um, what do you think of the Sandman trailer? It looks pretty. I mean, the, this new trailer, they, they're selling the epicness of it a little bit more, right? Like the, it looks like it costs a lot of money, or at uh -huh. least to my, to my uh, not so jaded eye, it looked like it, the, 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 the scenery and stuff looks like it costs a lot of money. Like I said, when I brought up uh, the Sandman in another new and notable, I have no idea if it's going to be really good, but there's, it definitely is tapping into some nostalgia that I have. Like, and like the Sandman now is actually almost like a dream. Like I barely remember what happened in the Sandman, but I'm like, oh, right. There's the Corinthian. Yeah. Like something yeah. is going to happen with him or, okay, there's this. And so it's like, it's all very vague. So I'm going to come to it with some kind of new eyes. So hopefully they'll make something good out of it. You, uh, you were down on it last time. What do, what do you think? Uh, it looks fine. Um, I wish um, Dream's hair was bigger. 
like really like um yeah robert smith from the cure i want it i want it that big overall i feel like he's not goth enough like i don't like like i also don't like that he has like a normal human skin like i like i want him to like be like a white thing like uh like a just not there yeah and he should have the all black eyes too right that would be it would be cool i mean it would it would probably make for a, a harder time for someone to to associate with them but he looks a little too human for me i agree with you Mm -hmm. and they really are playing up the i guess it's probably the arc of this season is the corinthian as the antagonist so they really played and i felt like they said over and over again like nightmares don't belong in the real world and you can't kill a dream or something those were those lines were repeated in various forms (laughs) i also noticed that the corinthian is like um not as scary as he should be um like yeah. I, I, like the, the 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 little mouth eyeballs don't really look as horrible in um in a cgi as i was hoping that they would be no <laughs> <laughs> all right so we're oh. we're real this is very tbd we're very on the fence about it but i think we'll at least check this one out and we'll report back right yeah yeah i'll definitely watch an episode at least what about um interview with the vampire looks good i was like i was into it like uh watching the trailer i was like okay i see like why they redid it and Mm -hmm. the like the casting seems like usefully impactful on the story and Mm -hmm. um the the milieu looked good like while i was watching the trailer i was like wait did they get rid of the interview element of the interview with the vampire but they they had a little yeah. yeah, they had a little stinger on the trailer. So I was like, okay, yeah, this, this all this is working for me. Let's uh, let's do the interview with the vampire. I liked, yeah, I liked the look and feel and the, you know, the time and place that it was in all looked, I don't know, very, uh, you know, like it had a point of view. Yeah. I didn't, the scene where he's confessing to the priest, I thought was like kind of too overacted. Yeah. And it's not his fault. I mean, that's the way he was directed, obviously, but it was like. I don't know, like, it's, it's, I feel like it's usually more impactful to have someone kind of like trying to hold it together versus yelling and screaming. His accent also seems to be like all over the place, which might be, might be something about how his way of speech like evolves over time, like, because he's like 100 years old, or it just might be that the actor uh, (laughs) just wanders all over with the the accent. But I was, I was, I, I was pulled out in that confession scene also. And then I glanced over the YouTube comments and people were really upset that Claudia is too old. Oh, the, the school girl? The, yeah, the girl. Um, the actress is 19. Yeah. But it seems obvious to me that they're planning ahead for this to be a long, you know, for multiple seasons and you can't cast a child because then you just have to recast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would agree like thematically that there's something strong about like the, you know, the horror of like the Kristen, Kristen Dunst character in the first one, you know, like the the real idea that you'll be like trapped in the body of like a 12 year old or what, however old she is. Yeah. Um, So I can, I can see why people would criticize that, but I also see the practical side of it and why that's uh it's gonna be really tricky yeah um i'm interested yeah see i'm not like a huge fan of the Anne rice books or anything i've read two of them i think yeah one and this one and one other one yeah we'll see well i have another trailer that it was something i was aware it was going to happen but i saw the trailer for um paper girls 
mm-hmm. which is going to be a TV show based on the the comic book series by Brian K. Vaughn and Cliff Chang. Uh-huh. Um, and I was aware of Paper Girls. I like I think I bought the first issue or the first couple issues, and I I like the high concept of that book and now TV show is like pretty strong and like it's pretty gripping right right away. Um, so I haven't uh, Paper Girls now is like finished as a series, so I could like someday I'll go out and maybe find the time to read the 30 issues and figure out mm-hmm. if they wrapped up the story in a good way or not. But I watched the trailer and I was like, okay, yeah, sure. Like I'm like, I'm down for, for this. It's like, a, you know, uh, and hope it seems like it could totally be popular at the very minimum. I don't know if that means it'll be good, but it's, um, you know, for all the people who are like, who enjoyed stranger things and like want another thing that is <laughs> stranger, yeah. then it might be, a, it might be a good fit for them. Yeah, it seems obvious that Amazon is making it because of Stranger Things. Yeah. Even though I think it came out before Stranger Things started. I think so. I think that the comic started before, but I I could be wrong about that, but I think so. Uh, I have not read the whole series, but I've read most of it, I think. I I just don't remember reading the end, but I know I've read every time there was a new volume. I think I've read it, but I, I must not have read the last I don't know there's some good surprises along the way in reading the comic that are not that are kind of spoiled on the trailer yeah um, uh, I would agree like I remember reading the first issue it was like when you get to the end of the first or second issue you're like oh I wasn't planning I didn't see that coming yeah yeah I, I'm definitely this will be another one I'll definitely watch an episode of right exactly <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> you do a try you do a tryout and then you'll see after that yeah yeah um, I do think they kind of got like the the neon-y 80s look of it, right? For the, um, you know, that's like copied over from the comic, but that that teal and pink. Mm-hmm. Seems obvious they were into that, wanted to copy it. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, that is what's new and notable. Shall we dive right into our main topic? Yeah. So we're talking today about... Uh, not the fifth element, but the um wait, hold on. Can we just talk about the fifth element? Yeah. No, no. The fifth the no. fifth the, the fifth season is gonna be great. We're gonna talk about yeah. that. Yeah, talking about the fifth season by MK Jemison. And she pulled off a real hat trick with the Hugo Awards because she won three years in a row for each of the books in this se- series. Totally wild. Never, yeah. never before done. That might be never done before and maybe maybe never again happens ever again. That might be a, one of those one-time only things. Orson Scott Card did it with two books in a row. Ender's Game and Speaker for the Dead, but not yeah. three in a row. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, I still have not read the third book. I read the second book as it came okay. out. And then the third book wasn't out yet, so I didn't read it. And then I lost the momentum. <laughs> um, but I have meant to circle back for a long time how should we get into this book it's it's kind of like a big i don't i i'm not I'm not sure quite sure how to summarize the plot i guess or how to approach summarizing the plot it has a little bit of a puzzle box quality and so i i mean i think that one of the first things especially with this book we always say this for every book but we are going to spoil the 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 fifth season and i think even in just discussing this the book and like what's going to happen like there's a there's a trick or a surprise built into the structure of the book that um uh-huh. that you know lots of readers or potential readers will have probably heard about it but other people like me who avoided spoilers are, are like you know got to figure that out on their own so just a warning for everyone we do we are going to spoil 
the fifth season, and um, I haven't read it yet, but Jonas might talk a little bit about what happens in the the, the follow up book. But um, so if you haven't remember. read it, yeah, <laughs> if you haven't read it, come come back to the the episode a little bit later. Right. Um, this is kind of actually a funny book for us to tackle because our last episode we did a trilogy. We did all three books. Yeah. And this one almost asked for us to do all three books too, because it's the kind of series where it's just one big story chopped up into three smaller pieces right it's like like this is a and i think it's just only through time that we decided to to tackle this one on its own but mm-hmm. um you're absolutely right like this is not like a book and then there's gonna be another book this is more like part one of the the broken earth or whatever the trilogy is called right like this would work well it seems like it would work well in like a big omnibus of all three books mm-hmm. absolutely yeah, because the story just kind of ends on a cliffhanger. It's not yeah. really totally resolved at all. Yeah, um, exactly. And so that's going to color our discussion um, of the potential adaptation for sure. But I'm sure but uh, yeah. it'll be okay. I think it'll still be all right. Yeah. So, yeah, I did want to say that this book has um, uh, the kind of world building I really appreciate where there, it throws a lot at you. Like if there's like it, I don't think the book has a glossary, but it almost could use one. Yeah, but it is all it's all kind of divvied out in a in an approachable way. Like you kind of you you pick up on what everything means pretty quickly. Yeah, and a lot of times in a book like this, like uh, there there's a part where they tell you all the rules of the world, and it feels like you're like trying to learn the rules of a board game or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wait a minute, slow down! I got to reread this. But this is all. Um, it's it's done smartly, I think. I I think so. I think that that is like I think the world building is probably one of the strongest elements of this book, and also it is an unusual world. It's like different, and I think like I've actually slowed down. I don't read a lot of like fantasy anymore because I sometimes mm-hmm. I I get very bored with like. There's like been a thing that's happened in um fantasy novels i think over the last 20 or 30 years where like people are really into like magic systems and like how the magic system works and like what all the rules are and like people are very obsessive and they like they like to get all crunchy with that stuff i could care less i don't ever care like how the magic system works or anything like that and this one it's pretty cool because um i don't know how much uh, the author cares either like how things work she like establishes some ideas but it's not like the book doesn't hinge around those ideas being consistent throughout the whole thing by any means right but it's kind of cool because it does it kind of works on the rules of like thermodynamics yeah like which rules they, you can you know, understand char- right the characters don't really understand it in that way but it makes sense that you know they take kinetic energy from one place and put it in another place yeah yeah you know, and that is often accompanied by a change in temperature well why don't we start off with um like even though it's like doled out kind of bit by bit in the story like wh- why don't we start with just a description of what this world is because the world itself is I, I think one of the major elements of the of the book uh right yeah for sure my uh, yeah so my wife and I read this book actually at the same time when it came out and she was 100% like this is a post-apocalyptic story of you know something happened to our world our our real earth and it turned it into this world and i was i was a little bit on the fence like well you know we don't know this could have just always been like this mm-hmm. 
but it's a world where there are constant earthquakes and um, there's a lot of, you know, uh, tectonic activity constant and it and people live under the constant threat that there will be a what they call a fifth season which is a big like apocalyptic event and they have you know they have names for each of the fifth seasons that have occurred in the past like the season of ashes the season of acid or you know which um, uh, describes how you know exactly what happened to the world in that time but um yeah, and so in this world, there are people who are, what are they called? Uh, origins. Oh yeah, origins, who have, they're like, they're mutants basically, who have the power to uh, control the tectonic activity of the earth. And they are a uh, second class, um, and they're basically enslaved by um, the powers that be and you know made to work for the the system and you know they're like they're they're like witch hunted if they're like you know if like a child was found with these powers they they could be easily like stoned to death or something there are some major x-men um vibes going on right. in this book right right it really reminded me actually of um uh genosha the, those storylines in x-men with the, it's the fictional country where they have mutants enslaved yeah, importantly, the fictional the fictional African country, right? Like where they have yeah. been enslaved. Yeah, I'd say yeah. like definitely it seems that that all seems to be like playing into this. Like oftentimes as I was um, as I was listening to this book I was uh, or reading or listening to this book, I was like, oh, like N.K. Jemison could like go to town on a like a good run of X-Men or something like that. She would she would do a good job at it. Yeah, totally. And it's very like um, it's kind of like everyone is Magneto almost like um like they have that level they could have that level of power right and also um, maybe that uh, also maybe that same attitude as well yeah uh so children who are origins are sent to this school uh called the fulcrum where they're trained to use their powers and trained to use it for the uh the benefit of the um the ruling powers who are the um i forget the names of everything yeah th there is a point like at some like i think like way into the book they're like oh yeah and then there's the emperor and i was like what the emperor the emperor there's an emperor in this world i didn't i didn't remember that at all yeah what uh what else what else gets what is a good way to get into this world i mean i think those are the main things like the main thing mm -hmm. is that um it's both a this is both a post and pre-apocalyptic novel in that um they you don't know if the world is going to end and also, I would say, and we're going to get into that very shortly, um, that fluidity of time and the like confusion about the chronology is actually pretty important to the book. It's important from a from a writing craft point of view that you're not exactly 100% sure when everything is happening in this book. Um, and, you know, so it's not like each chapter doesn't start with like year 50, year, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's purposefully vague what's going on. And that is also that extends to the character's understanding of the world and like what's going on exactly like you mentioned with um, you and your wife where you were reading it and you had differing uh, like interpretations of the what the world is the, like the author definitely like leaves a lot of that open to interpretation. Yeah, and there's a lot of like forgotten knowledge of the ancients around and um, there's a cool element to it that is like the um, uh, comparable to the modern Bible where 
um, one of the characters is like, well, what about all the stuff that, you know, was not left out of this text? You know, they didn't want us to know that. Right. The stone lore. Yeah. yeah. yeah the stone lore. Yeah. But so the, this book jumps between three different characters, a girl, young woman, and an older woman. Uh, Demaya is the girl who is mm -hmm. um, taken from her home to go and uh, study at the fulcrum. And then Cyanite is a woman who is, uh, she's a four ringer. They have this ranking system for how powerful of an origin you are. Um, and she has four rings and she is sent out on a mission with this other character, Alabaster. And along the way with the mission, they're supposed to breed with each other. Because mm -hmm. uh, another one of the Fulcrum's things is trying to breed more powerful origins. Uh, and then there's the older character, Essen, who, is secretly an origin and is living in this community with her husband and two children. And at the, at the start of the book, her husband has just discovered that her, both of her children are origins and has beaten one of them to death and kidnapped the other one and run away. Mm -hmm. And her plot is trying to follow her husband's trail and catch up with and save her, save her daughter. Right. And in the book, you follow these three stories are three parallel stories um mm -hmm. and um which i'm just going to jump ahead they're like you realize at a certain point that these three parallel characters are actually just one uh yeah. single character yeah, um you're, you're seeing the character exactly you're seeing one character three different stages of of life mm -hmm. and how big of a surprise was this to you when you were reading it it was, I, I mean, it was not a surprise at all. I had figured right. it out by the time it, by the time it happened, but like yeah. there were moments, like I, you know, there was a time when I was like reading it and I was like, oh, is this what's going, you know, it wasn't obvious from page one right. or anything like that. And then right. eventually I was like getting it. I was like, oh, I bet. And then I was like, okay, at least these two people are like the same person. And then I was right. like, oh, probably all three people are the same person. And then when it was revealed, yeah. it wasn't a surprise, but that doesn't, that the, it's a good, it's a good, um, it's a good structure. It works, uh, yeah. but I, 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 it's okay for me not to be shocked by it. How about for you? Yeah, I had the same. It was kind of a slow realization where like these two are definitely the same. So why not the third person? Yeah, exactly. And then on, on a reread, it's it's super obvious because it's like in Essen's story, um, the fifth season is starting, and that's not mentioned in the other two. So it you know they it must take place at a different time than the others. Exactly. Actually, I remember I was a little confused at the beginning because I just assumed I, I this is a little bit this is kind of a, like a dumb read of it. But because the fifth season is starting with her story, I just assumed that like fifth seasons were starting all the time. And like, you know, they were like, right, right. I, I thought they were more like a volcano erupting or something. I didn't realize that there were like a thing that happens like once every you know few hundred years or something like that. Um, and it, there's a point where she's discussing with like that the middle-aged character Essen is discussing with people, and she's saying, "Oh, this the fifth season's going to last for uh, decades, if not centuries." And I was like, "Oh, like I didn't even get that. That's what it was. Like I thought it was just like a it, life sucks. It's a volcano, you know, like right. I guess the like, the the term for the fifth season makes it seem like it's like spring, summer, winter, fall, volcano." <laughs> I, I thought they always happened that way. Like I didn't, yeah. I didn't know it was just like, you know, like you were rolling a, a die and then the fifth season only happened once every like 50, uh, 50 uh, years or something like that. Yeah. So I was a little confused by that. And you're right. Like if you know the concept of it, like it's like, it's not very hard to be like, okay, like the oldest person and then the, everything else is just a variety of flashbacks or something. Yeah. 
so Damaya's story is pretty straightforward. And actually Damaya's story is the main delivery system for the world building because she's learning everything. Right. So um, there'll be, there'll be, in, she'll be in her origin class. and They'll be like, here's how your powers work. And then, uh, so her story is just kind of learning about the world. And then, well, she, there's actually a kind of a, a layered twist to it because a character that she meets as a child is revealed to be a character in Essen's story also, mm-hmm. which is kind of a funny parallel twist. But uh, yeah, so she just learns about her powers and meets this character, uh, Tonki, and, and then learns a little bit of the mysteries of the ancients. Right. And that's and about you're what also, happens. Yeah, and she's really used, yeah, like exactly like you said, she's used to introduce the world and the rules of the world. Um, and, you know, um, N.K. Jemison is definitely doing like a little bit of a deconstruction. She's like doing some deconstructions of like the Harry Potter concepts and stuff like that, right? Like um, the school's not cool. Like it's not fun to go to school at the school. It's a uh, it's a bummer. Um, her yeah, she has to deal with bullying, right? And then like the bullies are dealt with like in a very harsh way. It's like so you can't even feel good when um, the like the bullies get taken care of she also she has a mentor figure who is important who shafa guardian warrant um yeah the guardians and the guardians are kind of like a specialized kind of origin Mm -hmm. they they're like um the mutants in x-men that have the power to like turn off other mutants powers yeah yeah so they um they can uh shut down origins um and they're used to control them and she and she learns early on and there to like always obey them unquestioningly or they'll or they'll you know they break her hand early on as a yeah. lesson in that and then we have cyanite the four ringer um yeah oh this was another i this was reminding me of um the comic that we, you and i were working together on together for a long time root and branch okay because we had a system where the witches all had bird names Yes. And in this, the origins all have stone names. So cyanite is the name that she chooses for herself when she becomes a um, graduates uh, from um, being Demaya to a full right. level origin. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, and then, you know, alabaster is another one. And there's other ones that we meet too. But um, yeah. So cyanite in her story, she meets alabaster, who is a 10 ringer. And he's like basically the most powerful origin. Yeah, there are no other Ten Ringers as far as I, I I could understand in the story. Right. And he can do all kinds of things that she can't. Like he can eavesdrop on people by like uh, feeling the vibrations of them talking. Yeah. And he's constantly like stopping micro earthquakes from happening, just like kind of without any effort. And so she and him are sent on this mission to a village where they have a um, coral reef blocking their harbor and it's stopping trade and they're sent to clear the obstruction but they're also along the way are supposed to uh, have a lot of sex and hopefully get pregnant (laughs) right like and like they don't have any choice about the about the matter right like they like it's not like they're a couple and they're attracted to each other they're like this is just part of their job description is to do this yeah and it's very like uh, they both hate it, yeah. and um, and he has done. It. He has had to do it a bunch. Right. He's like a, the... he's totally like a stud. Like he's like literally like a stud. You know, like they're they're farming him out to like have his progeny go other places because he's so powerful. Right. 
And then along the way, they stop at a, um, a node, which is a spot that the fulcrum has set up that is kind of like a, um, almost like a lighthouse where it can, will control earthquakes in that area. They stop there and they reveal that the uh, node maintainer is an origin who has been lobotomized and is just strapped to a chair with a colostomy bag and is brainless and is just doing this, in, uh, controlling the earthquakes instinctually. Right, and is and is most likely uh, Alabaster's child also. Right, right. He's like, this has happened to a lot of my children, or, or it, he guesses. Because for whatever reason, this is an origin with power, but they can't control them or something. Right. Yeah. Um, so this is horrifying to Cyanite and Alabaster is like, this is, you know, this is how they treat us. So then they go to clear the, um, coral reef and it turns out that it is not just a coral reef there's a buried obelisk underneath there and these obelisks are these floating giant crystals hovering in the sky which are one of the cool coolest images in the book yeah and she, she the the author really introduces them like very offhand like the way you would talk about them if they really if there was like some mysterious object that didn't had no impact on your life but like existed like they they're always just like oh there's an obelisk floating off in the corner over there. Uh, right. She does a really good job of like, it's very um, everyday life stuff, you know? Yeah, and um, uh, at some point in here, Alabaster reveals that he can also, he can use his powers to draw strength from, the, from a nearby obelisk. And she had no idea that this was possible. But uh, while she is, she, Cyanide is trying to clear the coral reef and she accidentally releases this obelisk from underground and it, you know, springs into the sky and she can see that there's also a person embedded in it somehow. A person who is a stone eater, which is another cool concept in the book is this race of people called stone eaters who are almost like um, elves or something in this. Uh, yeah, statue, the, elf, elf statues, basically. Yeah, because they're ancient, they're mysterious. They look like people, but they're not people. Uh, they're made of stone and they can move through stone like, like, um, Kitty Pride. Kitty Pride. Yeah. Um, and they also eat stone and they can turn living things into stone, but, uh, they have no idea what their motivations are or anything. And then after they release this obelisk, a guardian shows up in this town that they're in and tries to kill them both. You know, I forget the exact sequence of events here, but the, the, like somehow there's a volcano. It it all it all actually it happens a lot it happens really fast but like a lot of things happen at once but yeah there's the the guardians trying to kill them uh, a volcano erupts underneath the city that they're in destroying the city mm -hmm. uh, and then also a stone eater um, who you haven't been introduced to but before but who alabaster knows uh, whisks them away and like carries them through the earth to a um, and like an island where um, these like pirate people live and yeah. so alabaster and cyanite become members of this pirate community for a few years yeah so they get kind of a taste of what it's like to be um live outside of the fulcrum's power because there's people the people there are, are origins but they're not trained and they you know so they're they're safe from whatever earthquakes or tsunamis might happen on this island and they can kind of you know they uh prey on ships and they but they can hide themselves from the fulcrum because uh, no one expects anyone to be living on this island. So Cyanite and Alabaster become part of a thruple with this other character there. In a, Total thruple, yeah. Yeah, um, 
because um because he's a sexy pirate that's it he's a sexy pirate they're like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they're just like he's a sexy pirate so of course everybody wants to sleep with the sexy pirate and everyone does it's great yeah yeah and then they have a child uh who is i think just alabaster and cyanide's not Inun's. right that's right, right. cyanide is bored and she's asking Inun to take her on one of the pirate raids with him and he doesn't want to but then finally he does and she's really helpful with her origin powers but she has accidentally you know revealed her powers too strongly and so the fulcrum will come looking for them so they have to sink these ships which is not normally what they do they you know they normally let them go yeah but then she wants to see the village that destroyed with the volcano and she realizes it's out of control and it's going to spark a fifth season so she manages to um stop the volcano but this has uh put them on the fulcrum's map and this is actually the fulcrum left us volcano untamed in hopes mm. that they would come back and, and come back and stop it themselves. And then um, it would reveal where they were. A bunch of, a bunch of ships from the Fulcrum show up and uh, attack them and their guardians are shutting down their powers and they can't stop it. And a stone eater takes um, Alabaster through the earth, whisks him away again. And Cyanite has the, her guardian shows up and is like, oh, wow, a child. Great. We're going to do great things with this. So she chooses to kill the child instead of letting them have him. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm forgetting now, how does she escape from that? I think that like, um, I think that that like her, her, like killing the child is like such an act of like, I think she like wrecks the island and wrecks everybody and stuff like that. So it's again, that's a little vague, but I think it like she unleashes the full power of her, of her powers and, uh, and it's a, and in the chaos, she she escapes, and then she recreates her life um, in hiding um, right. as Essen, right? Right. And so this is where the book starts. Is uh, she has had two more children with another man, and she's working as a teacher. Both of her children are origins, and her husband is, discovers this and beats one of them to death and kidnaps the other one, and she's following them as a fifth season is starting. And on the road, she meets another, she meets this feral child who's Hola. covered with mud. Yeah, who's eventually revealed to be a stone eater who uh, decided that he likes her and is, just wants to follow her. And he is actually using his powers to help follow her husband. Right, he's able to detect the, the, um, the origins. Yeah, and then they also meet Tonki along the way who was uh, uh, from the Innovator cast. They have this cast system where you have um, the last names of your job. Right, right. Or what wasn't supposed to be an innovator was actually supposed to be leadership, uh, right. with, but then uh, rebelled and is also a trans uh, a, a trans woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it doesn't fit into the societal structure of the leadership class. And so it got mm-hmm. shunted off into the academy, like a different kind of school for um, innovators. And mm-hmm. is obsessed with like figuring out things about the the obelisks and the origins and all that stuff. The secrets of the ancients. And she reveals at some point that she's been keeping track of where Essen was since they were children. Yeah. Uh, since she met her as a child and and knew the knew the whole knew since she disappeared as cyanite where she was. Um, so it wasn't by chance that they met again. And eventually they wind up in a in a new calm, which is the names for these villages that is 
has a lot of origins living in it and is built inside a giant geode. Mm-hmm. So it's all crystalline inside. And then they reveal that Alabaster is there already and wants to see her. And when he sees her, he says, have you ever heard of a moon? <laughs> and that's the end of the book. <laughs> which was a um a thing that i uh figured out was a big thing and was going to be an issue in the book was the moon because there's a part where they in the stone lore where they say something about father earth is mad because his most precious possession was taken or something mm-hmm. like that. uh and then there's other parts where they're talking about the night sky and like observing all the stars and they, i realized they never mentioned the moon mm-hmm. and uh, i also i thought it was kind of cool she weaves in like um I like this kind of like deep future post-apocalyptic stuff, but she weaves in like um, the the Christian Jesus story into that too, because they they talk about like how Father Earth's son was taken away from him, and I was like, I, like immediately I was like, oh, it's like Jesus, but it's also the moon. Cool, that's awesome. <laughs> I, I was like, I was like, this is cool. I like this lore. I like the stone lore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's the book. Uh, what what did you think of this book? It's pretty cool. I did like I didn't love it. Um, like I wasn't uh-huh. like I, I wasn't like crazy about it, but it's not bad at all. I like mm-hmm. it was just it was like kind of right down the middle for me. Um, like it's totally enjoyable. There's some elements I really enjoyed, um, which would be I also was thinking about it, of course, in, in terms of adaptation. And there were some elements that are really cool in the book that might be very hard to put onto the the adapted format in uh, more so than most books I think that we tackle because I I think a lot of the enjoyment of this book is like we were talking about with the tripods last episode is figuring stuff out for yourself as we were just discussing like Mm -hmm. figuring out like figuring out who the characters are I think that that's a big part of the pleasure of the book figuring out Mm -hmm. like what the world is um who the different people are figuring out the, the how things got into the state they are like all of that is like really pleasurable and I'm not sure how exactly that's going to translate to a visual medium because you're just going to be like I think some stuff is just going to be like straight up obvious like really fast right so it might it might be a little bit of a challenge but the the book overall was like like I I would say I will say that like this book is like has a really huge reputation as you mentioned you know like it won the it won the Hugo and then like two more times so like of course my expectations were pretty high like I bought this Mm -hmm. book a long time ago and just didn't get around to reading it until now um so I think my expectations were high if I went in totally cold I'd probably be like straight up cool book and then you know how sometimes when you when people are all like this is the best book and then you read it you're like it was okay so it it was totally enjoyable and also I think it's legitimately pretty new feeling like it's definitely like in dialogue with other authors like um like I felt like it was in dialogue with Ursula K. Le Guin I felt like it was in dialogue with Gene Wolfe and with like uh, Jack Vance and stuff like that and but it's bringing new stuff to like the N.K. Jemison is bringing new stuff to the table so I'm 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 into it basically yeah it definitely had Le Guin vibes to me yeah, like I said, the world building, I think it's really strong. And it's the kind that I like where it's like grounded, like the rules and everything makes sense, but it's not necessarily really hand spoon fed to you. She has another trilogy that I started and couldn't get into that was like not as grounded. It was very like kind of, it felt like kind of surreal and dreamlike to me. And so mm. I, I couldn't get into it. I don't know. And yeah, like I think the, like the, I don't know when when you're like oh these are like mutants it's cool like it it's it's very um that that stuff is fun yeah and then all, all of the imagery like the obelisks stone eaters uh all of that is, is very like i don't know you can kind of sink your teeth into it right and i mean it's like 
there's a lot of like fun visual stuff. Like I mean, like the origins, like wear black cloaks and the 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 guardians wear burgundy and like there, there's there's a lot of like visual fun stuff. Actually, it was, we were talking about this before, but it's like kind of funny. I personally I find the covers of these books like like criminally ugly and boring. Like uh -huh. they're like they're like these weird like pictures of like I don't know sculpt like sculptural details on a wall or something like that and i was like my yeah. god like these books these books have a lot that you could draw for a cool cover and uh, i think that these are particularly ugly yeah i i feel like they are maybe trying to avoid like having it look like it's too too much of a fantasy series yeah yeah and have it more have it have more like literary aspirations i'm sure that that's and evidently it's working so that's all that it's all good <laughs> Right. But what do you think about, I mean, since we're talking about visuals, um, maybe what, 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 what do you think are the obstacles or complications or difficulties I, to? I, I, I feel like you're usually, you're often like sort of a really good at being a visionary about how you can bring this stuff to the screen. And so I'm really looking forward to hearing what you say. I have some ideas, but the first thing I'm just going to start with is I think that this is the most challenging text of all the ones that we've done as far as like bringing it to the screen, um, because there's a lot of cool stuff that happens, but the origins powers, but like by their nature are weird. Like they're mm -hmm. often like taming a volcano that's like on the other side of a continent from them. Yeah. Or something like that. There's a lot of like, you know, there's some things that will work really well you know when they a lot of times when they use their power they like they ice a like a circle around them and the mm -hmm. you know people can die and things like that like that's pretty easy easy for me to imagine like how that will be visualized and, and will look cool but other things it's like there, there are long passages where it's like talking about like oh and then i feel this power and then i feel this and then i feel this kind of stone in and, and all this all this stuff and i can imagine the way that when that's brought to that could be brought to screen with like that kind of like you know I don't know. I don't know what the right term is, but you know what I mean, where they're all like zooming around through like uh, ast yeah. the astral plane to show you things. But I find that stuff really cheesy when it's done um, visually a lot of the time. And like, mm -hmm. so then I feel like the this book, which is actually quite unique and has a quite unique set of powers and, and magic in it, could end up looking very samey, samey, unless it has like a real visionary to bring it to the, to the screen. Because I, I couldn't figure out like how you were going to you know, bring like the moments where like the characters are like, well, I sense that like literally it'll be like something like um, cyanide, it will be like, and then I'm working on my powers, but then I sense the power of Alabaster over here. And then I also sense through him the power of the obelisk at the other end. And that's right. like a whole, it's a plot point. It's not just the, just a side thing, you know? Right. Yeah. No, I thought about that too, for sure. The, um, the glossary word they use for assessing yeah. Yeah. And I was like, how, how do you visually show assessing? Because like you said, like I was imagining, you know, they zoom into the rock or something. Um, you need to have the thing like they do in X-Men where um, Professor X like puts his finger on his head or something to show he's using his powers. <laughs> <laughs> or you could do like maybe like they do in the Daredevil TV show where it's kind of like a radar science or something. Mm -hmm. But yeah, then it's like, how interesting is that to look at on screen for like long action scenes or something sometimes it's for a long yeah it's for a quite a long time unless the other the other option is to like not folk it's kind of interesting because that like that's the most unique element i think of it like and uh, it, it's interesting too because a lot of the time like towards the end there's more action but a lot of the time like what the what the origins are doing is making something not happen which is by right. like 
it, it like it's it's by its nature it's difficult to dramatize that um and that, uh, yeah that's a really good point yeah the other thing is there's also not really like a big dramatic set piece for the whole um I, I i don't know if you were to make like one movie or one season of a tv show out of this book mm-hmm. i i don't know what exactly the moment is that you show in the trailer that gets people to watch it you know is it the battle at sea where she's like pulling rocks up out of the ocean floor is it pulling the obelisk up from the uh coral reef mm-hmm. it's also well uh, th- then that brings up another thing do you think that the structure works the way it is like the the intercut things or would you would you keep that which i think is something that people like a lot in the book um but i was very i was very uh, ambivalent about whether or not it made any sense like it to me i was just like you you don't keep any of that kind of surprise you just have like things that are flashbacks to the younger right. and then that's it right um i think it would be a big ask to try and preserve the surprise mm-hmm. um the uh, first season of westworld had this as a twist um spoilers for westworld um <laughs> but they reveal that um ed harris and another actor are older and younger versions of the same character mm-hmm. but it works in that because there's a lot of android characters who they both meet who don't age so you don't realize that it's happening in two different time periods. Right. But there's exactly. no other characters that are contiguous through all, all three of these time periods in this book. So yeah. it'd be tough to, yeah, to preserve that as a, as a surprise and ask people to, uh, you know, actually be surprised by it. Also in a film, you know, like um, if you have a, you know, if you have a character that looks a certain way and then you show a child that looks a little bit like that character, like yeah. my first my first instinct is going to be like, oh, it's a flashback and that's the child, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I was thinking, you know, either you, you know, yeah, just have it be flashbacks and people just get that it's flashbacks or you could even uh, stack them, you know, front to, you know, put them in linear order. Yeah. And then it would just be like Moonlight or something yeah um, exactly yeah and you just have three different actors at those three ages the cyanide and essen are like don't even necessarily need to be different actors though i i at first i thought that they they needed to be and then i realized that i think it's only like 10 years or difference between the yeah. the, the time so that they, i don't i i agree like at first i was like uh thinking that they needed to be portrayed by different people and then i realized oh that this just happens like right afterwards uh, it's just right. a little bit later yeah and then I don't 100% remember, I mean, we, well, we have the problem if we're trying to adapt all three books at some point. From what I remember in the second book, it does not have the same structure. Mm. It cuts in between Essen and the present and her husband and daughter's story. Um, so then that means she's that- she's trying to follow them. Right, and so that means that basically everything that happens to Demaya, the child, and everything that happens to Cyanite is the prelude for the main story, which is what happens to Essen and all the other characters um, yeah, go, exactly. moving forward. Because it's like, now the fifth season is starting, everything is starting. So everything that happens before is the is the prequel, kind of. Yeah, exactly. Okay. As far as I remember, and, you know, I haven't read the third book, so... Right, of course, and I haven't read either of them, but I did. I, I did do a little sneak peek as to what the structure was, and it sounds like it's basically about that, which makes sense. Like the story, 
it's now about moving the story forward because like the fifth season has happened. Um, Alabaster, it's revealed in the end of the first book is the person who has created the, the this new fifth season that's going to be really bad. Um, he's like kind of like Magneto, right? Like he has um, not only in his powers, but he also has like that concept of like uh, you have to break the world in order to remake the world. Right. And also like, you know, we're the, we're actually the superiors. Yeah, I think he actually like totally has a straight up like uh, we are the homo superior type um, monologue at one point. And I was like, this is so X-Men. I, and of course, <laughs> I love X-Men. So I was like, yeah, this is cool. But I was like, wow, this is like we're we're in it right now. Uh huh. Yeah. And then um, this is kind of a sidebar. But what did you think about um, if we're talking about visuals? Did you have like a kind of like Earth analog culture that you would want to like use as a visual? representative of what life right, looks right. like in this world right um it seems like kind of you know it's so far in the future that you can kind of do whatever with it but i, I think it, you there you definitely get them it's actually kind of interesting because um the a lot of the characters are very aware of race and like who what like who's a different you know like they're like oh the, this person's from the equatorials oh this is a this is a coastlander they have they look like this which is what all the coastlanders look like and there's a lot of time like spent describing like what what people look like which was kind of was kind of interesting yeah she will constantly be like oh and they have this color skin and their hair is medium kinky and yeah <laughs> yeah there's like quite like there's it like goes it gets into like it gets into the details and i mean like i think that this world the that they're in is like a majority black world right like uh -huh. i wondered a couple times because um i wondered when when it was sort of revealed that it, it's it's probably set in the far future because they talk about how it's there's just one big supercontinent in yeah. the in the future but i i also wondered i was i was like oh i wonder if there's just um if the still they call it the stillness and i was like yeah. oh i was i was like i wonder if it's just africa like because like 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 africa is like the the tectonically most stable of all the continents oh, um it's okay. like it it never moved anywhere uh yeah. like it's been in the same spot for like you know uh, hundreds of millions of years now and everything else has moved all the way around and there's like less tectonic activity in it and things like that um mm -hmm. i was like oh i wonder if it's just there and like everything else has just been destroyed in this world after everything else happened so that i mean that was like sort of like my assumption is that i was like connected with like african culture and the african diaspora um uh -huh. but then also like bringing in everything and it's so far future that it could really be like it all i mean it, you wanted to have a futuristic yet fantastic vibe which to me like it almost feels like something out of star wars or something like that you know what i mean mm -hmm. what yeah. did you how did you envision it um I, I guess i was imagining kind of like um well they talk about like a lot of their buildings are stone and stuff so i was imagining kind of like morocco or sure. um you know uh southern spain um you know lots of like scarves and robes and but they also i don't know there's some cool visuals where you know when there's like dust storms and stuff they're wearing like scarves and masks and goggles yeah i don't know it, but then i you would want to do something different too for the pirate people yeah yeah i don't know if they're caribbean or something else yeah also we should mention they do have like technology too it's not it's not like a fully fantasy world they have like radios and telegraphs and um and they, they electricity talk about they talk about electricity once in a while. There's a long part where the characters are traveling along a high road, which you realize is actually like really high up in the air. I was like, oh, okay, it's like a old freeway from from the dead civ, from the dead civilizations. Right. Um. So 
the, to me that that's part of like why I, I kind of think about it being a little bit like Star Wars, like um, yeah. like Tatooine or something like that, where you have like some high tech things and then a lot of low tech things all mushed all mushed together. It seems seems uh-huh. seems about right. Um, but you also it's like the cultures are always like going through apocalypses, right? So you you don't what you don't want it to look like at all is like uh, where like um, Coruscant uh, the 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 where the empire is based or you don't want it to look like wakanda or something like that where it's like everything's like super nice and fancy like this is a world where everything is like built and rebuilt and rebuilt over and over again i don't know like i guess i don't have really have a solid super solid pitch for this yeah that's an adaptation i i i would almost come down we're not at like our final judgment or whatever yet but I kind of question whether this even could or should be adapted. I can't, I'm, I imagine there must have been, it must have been optioned, right? Like after the Hugos. Uh, I don't, th- there, the somebody must be working on this right now. There's like no way that there's not somebody working on it. But who can, you know, who will can say if that will ever see the light of day or whatever. Yeah. But, and I, I mean, yeah, I, 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 I agree. I like, like, it's true. We're not at our final judgment moment, but uh, I, I agree. Like, this is one where I was like really questioning, like, can this be brought to the screen in any way that would be like, bring the pleasures that are on the page for the audience? Would they translate to the screen at all? I'm not sure. I'm not so sure if they would. Right. And then there's also like more, I guess, practical concerns is like, it needs a, it would have to have a huge budget um because you're creating whole world and there's lots of special effects there's also kind of a big will audiences go to see this aspect to it like i i don't know if there's really like an analog to another property you know like like a lot of things that fantasy things you could pitch you would be like it's lord of the rings but x Mm -hmm. um and this doesn't really have a thing like that the closest thing i could think of is like avatar and that i mean the um Last Airbender, not the James Cameron Avatar. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, was box office poison. So that's not really going to get, you know, get butts and seats is, oh, it's yeah. like that other movie. It's like that terrible movie. Yeah. I mean, like the only way, like, I, I don't know if I doubt that this would work, but I would be like, it's like the X, it's like a post-apocalyptic X-Men. So it's a little like, I'd be like, okay, it's like Logan, but it's like Logan meets Dune or something like that. You know, I'd be like, okay, like that's, you can maybe like pitch it to people as that. Like, and I'd be like, okay, sure. I kind of want to spend, but that's a really expensive project when you think about it right away. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, but that has its own issues. Cause like one of the fun things about X-Men is like, what is it? What is each power? But everyone has the same power in this just two different degrees. Yeah. Yeah. Although they're like, it seems like they're opening up the idea that like some of the that some of the powers might be different or things like that. But um, yeah, you're right. Like 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 you know, because it's like it's like uh, there's just like no. For instance, there's like no chance that um, at least at the point of the story that we're at, like that cyanite can like beat alabaster in a fight. It like can't happen. Like he's just like he can just turn everything against her right away but there's like the elements with like the weird guardians and the way that they can like mess with you and stuff like that there's it's there's enough i think that there is enough of that like um oh like which power wins over which power but it's true that they're all the same power basically which is which is a little it's more logical but it's less fun than the the panoply of madness that you have in x-men yeah but i guess i would lean towards this being a tv show instead Mm -hmm. of a movie 
because I don't know, there's, there'd be more room to dole out the information slowly. And like, you know, like I said, like for a movie, this doesn't really have like a big trailer moment, I don't think. And, and then also the story just kind of ends. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You can't like option just the one movie or what the one, yeah. the, the one, well, yeah, I guess that's how it works, but you ideally want to finish this whole thing so you can like see the author's vision through to the end. Right. Um, yeah, so I would be, be inclined to say this should be a TV show, if anything, but then it's not like the budget becomes an even bigger concern. You know, like how many millions is each episode going to be? Can you, um, uh, that, that makes me wonder, like, and again, I don't know if this is worth, if this, if it's worth doing this adaptation, if you need to do this to it, but can you, can we trim this down to a, like a very uh, manageable story? Yeah, I guess that I would, if I were going to simplify things, I would just put it in linear order, mm -hmm. have, you know, a quick part when she's a kid to get to establish the world and the rules. I ditch all those bullying and um, all of that stuff, school drama, then have her and Alabaster story. I guess that actually, that would be the biggest chunk, even though it's the um mm -hmm. not the thrust of the story going forward i would make that the biggest chunk and then there would be a point like you know an hour and a half in where you know her her child dies and alabaster is pulled through the earth and then she then you you do you know title 10 years later yeah and the fifth season is starting and she she's tracking down her her child and then meets alabaster and you have that part be pretty quick yeah it's kind of, like like it's kind of funny because I, like I can really imagine it as a story just about cyanite her story because it has like the most action in it. it has like the the it has like the love story all that kind of stuff it established everything with a micro little flashback but it's true you need like basically a stinger which is like you'd have to really gut the the essence story to make it like really work in like a like a five or ten minute long little stinger where like she's at home or she's on the road or whatever and then like alabaster just shows up and he's like i'm back you know like and, like, <laughs> that, that, like that would be like the stinger kind of and you'd be like you know you'd be like okay like what's going to happen in the next season but instead like it and it's the really the heart of the story is like this woman going on the road in the apocalypse like trying to find her child or something like that right or i mean yeah it's tricky i'm i, yeah. I find it yeah, really really tricky. tricky i don't i i i couldn't figure out how to br how to bring it to the to the screen really yeah yeah so yeah i guess that's kind of our verdict is this this maybe shouldn't <laughs> shouldn't happen but that has never stopped us from engaging in the fun of figuring out a director for this project and and fan casting has it uh, no, it hasn't. So <laughs> should we get into that? I, I think it's about, I think, I think that's about right. What do you think? Okay. Yeah. So did you have some, someone for cyanide uh, slash SM? Yes. I just did one, one actress and then you just find some, uh, a child um, to right. go, go along with that. Okay. Yes. So I did. I picked one actor for um, both those roles. Cause as we were saying, you know, they're only like 10 years apart really. And especially if you get rid of the concept of there being a surprise, I don't think you need to pull a full moonlight um, 
actually sidebar i've been i've been thinking about how it's like so funny that we always bring up moonlight in almost every one of our episodes oh do we i haven't thought about that we bring it up a lot and i was realizing that what it is is that books do this like literature takes place over long periods of time with characters Uh at various ages and it like that's one of the movies that like centers that concept but like a visit from the goon squad does this you know like um uh replay does it um this book does it like lots of the books that we talk about and i was realizing that's like one of that's from the point of view of adaptation that's one of those challenges that a lot of books take place over like 50 years or something like that Mm -hmm. which is not the the narrative structure of a film usually right (laughs) okay so but (laughs) So end of sidebar. The the actress that I played to um, play um, both Cyanite and Essen in both roles uh, is Wunmi uh, Mosaku, um, okay. who is an actress that I've liked a lot in a variety of things. Um, came to my attention in a horror film called His House, uh, which was great. Um, I was in watch that. I can't remember it very well. <laughs> I thought it was awesome. Like I was, like, yeah. I was like, oh, this rules. And then was also in um Loki, uh, with like a kind of a smaller right. role in Loki. And then also most recently I watched um We Own This City, which is a film from uh not a film, a TV show from the makers of um The Wire and other shows like that. And she is a main character in that. And so I have like she's really been like on my like on my attention, like in, in each of these films. And I've been like, okay, yeah, like this will be cool. She's like, she cool. can, she can sell it. Cool. And who do you have? Uh, I have a bit of recency bias here because this is the last uh, appropriate person that I, you know, saw in something. Um, You're like, perfect. Uh, I picked, yeah, I picked uh, Moses Ingram, who was in Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yes. The TV mm-hmm, show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, suffered a lot of... Uh, fan racism just oh really i didn't i wasn't aware of that no and it's it was crazy because um i think when she took the part disney was like just so you know be prepared because the fans are going to be really shitty wow yeah and it and it came to pass because uh you know she's a black woman in star wars and that's not allowed but oh uh, that's (laughs) the the that that is fine i only watched like a one episode of that but i I thought she was cool in the first episode she was scary yeah she's good um she um the show itself is not that good mm-hmm. but there it has a couple cool like lightsaber battles and stuff in it but um yeah she's good she's got uh intensity which i think is very cool yeah and it's probably totally just recency bias that um i'm choosing uh, her but yeah and i mean i also saw that first episode recently and like the show didn't make a big impression on me but like i thought of that same actress as well i think there was something like about the like because I, like i was saying like i like the way that tatooine is or something like that kind of feels like the way that this world could be a little bit and like sit like her with like the way that they did her hair and everything it like it felt mm-hmm. like it could it could work so i i, I see what you're saying mm-hmm. what about alabaster okay so i picked like i had a variety of different actors that I thought about, which I'll be curious to see if you picked any of them. But I tried to go outside of like my usual gamut of actors and pick someone who it would be a sort of unusual role for them, but I thought that it could work. Okay. Um, and I think I may mean, I mispronounce his name, so I'm going to apologize to him personally. I'm sorry. Uh, but uh, Jamon Hansu, uh, who right. he's in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's in like Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, he was in Amistad. He's in um, Blood Diamond. Yeah, I've enjoyed him in lots of stuff. Yeah, like yeah. that that that's that was basically my my feeling. I was like, 
he wasn't my very first pick for this role, but I, I kind of like wanted to push myself to think about somebody who is a little bit different and who might really enjoy doing a different kind of role than they're used to doing. And I thought he might enjoy this one. Mm -hmm. I picked uh, John David Washington, who is Denzel's son mm -hmm. um, from Black Klansman and Tenet. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just enjoy him. I think he's a cool actor and just kind of uh, just also kind of like exudes coolness. Like, yeah. Yeah, like screen presence. <laughs> it's kind of interesting because I um, I realized as I was doing my casting that I interpreted Alabaster as being older than he actually is in the book. Oh, like really? I thought of it. Yeah, I thought of him as being like an older character. And then mm -hmm. I, when I was reading, when I re I reread and I realized that like in, in the cyanide part, he's like 40 years old. He's like he's younger right. than i am um and then so later on he's like 50 you know like he's not an older an older character but it was kind of funny because i was considering some older older actors and one of the ones who i considered uh was uh denzel washington i like thought he could be like kind of cool so i like yeah. to see that i like to see his son which is more age appropriate being used for the role <laughs> now i also cast um the only two other characters i cast are Inon and um shafa the guardian perfect that's who i got too okay cool so um, for Anna and I have my first, uh, you know, we have, we, there's only so many actors in the world. Um, this is the first time I've re uh, done a repeat casting. <laughs> it's always a temptation, right? But I'm, I'm sure it will happen again at some point. But um, so I picked Winston Duke for Anna. Great. Uh, he's supposed to be a big, huge, beefy dude. Great. Um, yeah. So. He can bring the charm. Um, I'm, I'm ready for it. Yeah. Sex appeal too. I was definitely picturing in on whoever is the actor. I'm definitely picturing him with like the big dreads, right? Like the big full yeah. pirate dreads for yeah. sure. Yeah. Like he he's sure. he got to go for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have for uh for Inon, I have a uh, Mike Coulter from Luke Cage. Oh yeah. Yeah, because I was I was like like the big like and this this works for your your casting as well. But I was just like, especially the way he's introduced in the book, they're just like like it's just like there's a big sexy man and he has arrived and like this book is it's about to be sexy times in this book he's here and i was like okay mike mike can do it let's 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 bring him in <laughs> and then who do you have for um shafa uh i have matt smith who oh um, uh, yeah he's a uh, the doctor who and the evil the uh, targaryen yeah he just has a kind of weird creepy shaped head <laughs> yeah i don't know he i feel like this guy like you know, with a child breaking their hand. I don't, I, I don't know. It would be, it would be kind of creepy and weird. Totally. I totally agree. Now the, I, I went slightly different, although somewhat the same, I realized as I was doing it, but one thing is I realized is like, for me, I was like, okay, like, cause when Shafa shows up, he's like, like uh, the little girl, Demaya, like her life is like not good. Right. Like everyone hates her and everything. And then this, this man shows up and he has a weird accent and he's a white man and he, and, uh -huh. and he's like, I will take care of you from now on, you know, like you, you like I am your I am your guardian, you know, and then you realize later on that guardian is more like guardian, like a prison guard, not like a like someone yeah, who's going to help protector. you. Yeah. But so I was like, OK, like I want someone who is like the kindly mentor protector type. But then so that when like you have like these horrible scenes where he's like breaking your hands and then later on in the book, it's going to it's going to have a little bit more impact. And so I cast Liam Neeson in this role. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Although I realized, that's I realized that, of, no, no, you. I was just going to say, that's a funny kind of bit of stunt casting with him being like Qui-Gon and 
you know, taking Anakin to, in a yeah. similar kind of scene. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It'll be it'll be really similar. And then I realized that they already did this a little bit with him and Batman because he's like he has like, you know, he's good and then he's bad and, and Batman yeah. begins. But I was like, oh, yeah, he'll be like a really cool. Uh, and yeah, like like he can even be like because he's supposed to have long hair and um, yeah in the book uh shafa is so he can even have like the hair and everything i think it would be kind of like kind of a cool little bit but he'll but he'll be scary he'll be a, like a scary evil villain in the end yeah uh i like that better because there's um uh like matt smith you're immediately like oh that that dude's creepy but liam neeson has like kind of the kindly vibes to lull you in and he can have his like sonorous um irish accent and everything so yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> What about um, a director or showrunner if it's a TV show? Exactly. So um, I picked somebody um, because the more I thought about this, like, so this book is a huge fantasy epic in a lot mm -hmm. of ways. But then, like, the thing that I think is the coolest about it is that it's really a horror novel right in mm -hmm. some ways. It's like a horror story. And it's about, like, um, we didn't talk too much about it, but, like, like N.K. Jemison is like most definitely like plugging into societal and historical horror when with the way that this is written, you know, like um, like everything from like the way that these characters are feared and hated, just like the mutants. So it's like the same. It's really literally the same mutant metaphor that uh, the way that X-Men is a stand in for. Um, yeah different ethnicities the way that the characters are like expected to breed on command with each other and like to produce children for the for the for for the the, the fulcrum i mean it's like straight up out of like uh, the history of slavery um the way that uh the like you have characters like alabaster who are like ready to set the world on fire to like change the world like mm -hmm. it's very like it's very like social and scary and horrible all at the same time also like lots and lots of people die in this movie uh, in this mm -hmm. book or, or or theoretically movie or tv show um including characters who are killed by um essen like the i think that that scene where she ends up killing like um half the village by accident is actually really well managed and is getting, uh -huh. it could be played for a lot of scariness and stuff like that so somebody so i was like looking towards like the horror vibe and it was actually like my casting of um of one me from uh, uh from uh his house that made me think that the his house director maybe he could manage like a big you know he's only done like small stuff so far but like maybe this could be like the the switch over and he could do like a bigger budget thing but still have it be like frightening scary uh i don't know like put the emphasis on the scary elements of it rather than the like bombastic elements of it um and his name is remy weeks okay well, like you, I picked someone who has done a little bit of horror, um, but who has also done a lot of TV, because I was imagining this would be a TV show. And then, well, um, so it's uh, Karen Kusama. Kusama. Yeah, she directed this movie called The Invitation, which is a yep. kind of cool, small scale, very tense movie. I like that. Um, Jennifer's Body oh, and cool. um, Destroyer, which um, we didn't talk about, but has a different kind of twist Circular. with twist with um when things are taking place you know the what you think is uh flashback turns out not to be or the other way yeah. around i can't, I can't yeah. remember exactly uh but yeah she's directed a bunch of episodes for lots of different tv shows halt and catch fire the outsider yellow jackets 
but yeah, I've enjoyed uh, most things that she's been involved in. And um, yeah, so I was intrigued to see, uh, like, you, like you also, she hasn't done like anything big or like with lots of special effects, but it uh, doesn't mean she can't. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so that's kind of what I was thinking. I I've I didn't recognize the name, but when you told me, like, I think I've seen all those films and most of those TV shows too. So uh, I I I co-sign. Good 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 on you. <laughs> what? Yeah, but our like we said, our final verdict is probably don't adapt this. I I I don't know if people are going to be happy if it gets adapted, right? Like the yeah. the people who like this book, I don't know if they're going to be. Um, uh stoked and also i would say that like like on its face this 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 is much less adaptable than say like something like dune or or a book like that that people like were like oh you how are you ever gonna adapt that like dune is like a a, a cakewalk compared to this i think you know you're <laughs> just like like it's a pretty straightforward story and you just go for it um this is uh this is both like vast and interior and sideways and backwards all at the same time it's going to be a very tricky thing but if if anyone ever does adapt this you can be sure that the apples to drafts crew will go watch it and will report back yeah i yeah it like i said it gave me strong like kind of last airbender kind of vibes as far as like the fans would be disappointed like mm -hmm. that's not how the powers are supposed to look or you know something like that um right well i mean and then also like there's the the whole other element of it yeah, actually, I mean, like, there's a whole other element that you mentioned the that the actress from the Star Wars movies was like dealing with like a racist backlash from like the fan base. Um, yeah, like the stakes are really high when you're making like a multi million dollar film series or, or TV show or something like that. And um, it might be a hard pitch for a studio to do it given given that like so much of the fan base is reluctant to watch something that's like uh, black led women led, etc. Right. But then again, there's this would have the advantage that it's like it's not like star wars where people are like oh you're putting black people in something that was my right. thing right um, right 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 you know you 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 made it woke and i mean this is woke from the get go <laughs> <laughs> uh that's uh, yeah you're 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 absolutely right well i i won't be mad if this ever gets turned into a show and actually i'll be really interested just in general, I, I haven't really thought about this, but like eventually, like some of these things that we do um, episodes about will maybe eventually come out and then we can um, we can revisit them. It'll be fun. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't think that this uh, I don't think it will be in the next couple of years. I'll put it that way. Yeah, uh, I would. Uh, yeah. I would. I would say that that's just about right. Yeah. Maybe it'll be like 20 years after publication, like Dune or whatever. <laughs> or what, 50 years after? Something yeah, like something like that. Like 50, well, Dune got made twice, I guess. So, um, or oh, right. uh, yeah. yeah, but uh, like also, yeah, all that stuff, like a wrinkle in time and all that stuff, to, it takes a long time to for it to get to the screen. Well, do you have any um, do you have any plugs this week? Things that either you have created or that you have consumed that you are enjoying? Uh, well, you mentioned um, my culture earlier. I'll say that I'm watching the current season of Evil and enjoying it a lot. I don't know if you've ever watched evil evil no i don't even know what it is at all uh it's cool it's like okay it's like the x-files in that there's basically one character who's a skeptic and one who's a believer but they are they work for the catholic church and they're investigating miracles and possessions and yes things like that work. <laughs> so my culture plays a priest in training and then this other woman uh 
Katya Herbers or something like that. I'm looking Herbers. at it right now. Yep, that's right. She's a psychologist. And then there's another character who's also a skeptic who's like their tech guy. Okay. He's also great. And then uh, what is his name? Ben from Lost is the villain. Uh, Michael Emerson. Okay. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's cool. It's, it's weird. Um, like it's got demons in it and the demons are weird. Um, done in a weird, interesting way, but it, it is legitimately scary. And I think the first season was like on CBS, but now it's just on Paramount Plus. Okay. So it's super gory and they curse <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have to see if I can find that anywhere in Canada. It sounds um, it sounds right up my alley. And also importantly, it sounds like something that my partner would enjoy. She likes um, demonic possession type uh, type horror things. So she would, she, yeah. I think she would enjoy that. Right. And then it's it most episodes end with kind of like ambiguously like was it real or wasn't it? And they you know, you don't really know. <laughs> That's it sounds cool. I I I like I like that they're working for the Catholic Church. It's like uh the new FBI. It's great. Uh, <laughs> but what what about you? Well, I'm um this episode is coming out in August. So I'm going to and I as I mentioned just now, I'm I'm I record from Canada where I live and um specifically in Quebec. And every August, um, on August, uh, well, this year it's on August 12th, there's a Je lis Québécois. It's like I read a Quebec book day and uh, where people, uh, you buy or read uh, Quebec literature in the month of August and you promote it and things like that. I think it's really cool. Like uh, that's been one of the things moving here. I've realized that there's so much support for the arts and the literary arts here. Um, I think because Quebec is totally surrounded, it's a French speaking place that's totally surrounded by English speaking people um and so they really have to fight to like keep their culture um going and they do a really good job and i um i really like to participate in that and so since that's coming up um just before this podcast goes out i'll mention that i did a um top five list on um shepherd.com which is a kind of cool website where um authors recommend books um and so i was a i I was invited on there uh, as an author, and so I decided to uh, recommend five great graphic novels uh, from Quebec for Anglophones. And so it's <laughs> lots of the things I'm interested in, but it's I, I listed off uh, five graphic novels that would be great and that have been translated into English. Um, I'm definitely of the opinion that the comic book scene here in Quebec is awesome. Um, so uh, you could definitely check some of those out. I recommended uh, books like um, uh, Paul in Quebec by uh, Michel Robagliati, uh, My New York Diary by Julie Doucet, um, Nuclear Winter by Cab, a bunch of other books. And um, some of those have even been adapted. So it ties into our show. Uh, for instance, uh, Paul in Quebec has been adapted into a pretty good film too. So um, right. if you're interested in Quebec culture and graphic novels and things like that, those are, I will we'll put the link in the show notes, but it's a, a kind of a fun little list. Cool. This uh, is reminding me there's, um, I don't think it's not a Quebec book, but there's a graphic novel that you translated from French that came out recently. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, that will be uh, next month in September, um, Tally, Daughter of the Moon, which was uh, by a French um, a French Laotian artist named Surya. And it's very manga style. Like, so it's like... Uh, yeah, I was I know giving he's, me Nausicaa vibes. Yeah, he's like full on like influenced by Miyazaki, by like video games like Dragon Age and things like that. And uh, it it's it's super fun. I think it like 
100% delivers the goods of what it um what it's putting out there you know like he he like he was like i want to do a story that's like these stories that i liked when i was growing up and i think he really achieved it and it was a lot it was a challenge for me to to translate but it was a lot of fun to do yeah it looks really good from the um sample pages i've seen he's a pretty rockin artist too like he he works like in a very old school uh manga style and he's really mm -hmm. good at depicting action and stuff it's it's a lot it, it's fun and and like um and like uh the 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 fifth season it's about like you know like magical people who have like scary powers who are persecuted so um if you like the fifth the fifth season you might like tally daughter of the moon also <laughs> all right <laughs> well cool uh yeah so that and any of the other books that we talked about will be in our bookshop link which will be in the uh show notes of your podcast player and if you're purchasing any books through that link will earn us a little small percentage of a commission um so that's one way you can support the show we would really we really appreciate it uh, and then don't also don't forget to rate review and uh, share the show online wherever you're getting it on apple or spotify or whatever it really makes a difference we're um if you dig the show uh, we're trying to reach more people so that would be really cool and if you ever have feedback feel free to um get in contact you can find us on instagram and um, twitter at apples two giraffes the numeral two and then you can also um find our email and everything on our website apples to giraffes.com what are we talking about next time okay so it's i i i got my wish we're gonna do one of my favorites which is black hole by um charles burns mm -hmm. uh and listeners will know that i've, I've been pumping for us to do this one right from the beginning. Um, this is cool. It's going to be our first graphic novel that we do. So I think that that's right. going to be interesting since that we that's our world. And um, it's, a, it's a pretty cracking book. It's uh, I think it'll be fun to talk about. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. I reread it um, just last year or something. But you know. Oh, perfect. Well, I'll talk to you then. All right. Till next time. Bye.